0: Welcome back to Left Anchor. I'm Ryan Cooper, and I'm Alexi the Greek, and I'm. Uh, well, we're welcoming back to the podcast for the the th- the third time, I think. Uh, That's right. Ma- uh yeah great
1: things come in threes yeah pod- like like po- like the three global crises in my lifetime that we've had here in economics
0: yeah podcast medal of honor champion congressional medal of podcasts uh manu sadia <laughs> 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 who is uh, uh was he the mentioned friend of
1: be- the pod we, we we reach out to him in times of great need
0: as i mentioned before uh he's author of um, a book which I actually just read for the first time a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, and it's thank you, it's very you. good. So if any novelists tell you it isn't, uh, you you uh, <laughs> cough in their face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and so the gallows humors begin.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I thought you know yep. we're going to talk coronavirus, the collapsing global economy, um, and you know mutual aid. Yeah and, and uh, you know wh- what we should do how we should think about the sort of like chaotic political situation and so on. And so I thought Manu you could you could we could start off by giving us sort of a state of play in Europe, which is I think you know at the moment the the sort of epicenter of the outbreak, but I think America is like a week at most behind mm-hmm. where where places like Italy and Spain are at. So uh, what's the story there?
2: So Italy seems, I mean, you know, it's been the center of the pandemic in Europe. That's where, you know, things blew up originally uh, about two weeks ago. Um, and, you know, and they started by uh, closing up the one region around Lodi and then the, the Piedmont, so the north. And then they closed off everything, as we remember. And everybody's on lockdown over there, uh, and the cases are mounting. Even though it seems that the number of identified cases uh, has not risen—I mean, it has risen—but it, you know, it, it, the the number of new cases every day for the past three days has been hovering around three thousand. So instead of you know doubling the number of case, new cases every day, now it's it's, it's kind of like it seems that the the uh general closing down of all social life and everybody at home it seems to be slowing it down in italy so so that's in italy and now you know the other countries in europe uh like france for instance ha- have had a delayed reaction for va- whatever reasons they didn't want to panic people even though they knew it was coming um and so France is now, you know, on the same sort of uh, ascending curve as Italy and Spain as well. Uh, in England, it's an interesting thing. Like they decided not to order, uh, you know, social distancing and close downs on uh, on the theory that seemed to have been unproven and disproven since then. So now they're ordering everything to close down. Uh so you know the 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 epidemic is now everywhere, and you hear about uh, soccer players being infected, just like here, you know, basketball players. So it, it sort of brings home the point. Manu, really,
1: it's amazing that the rich seem to be more infected than the rest of us. It's isn't it incredible how the rich and powerful get it far
2: more frequently? What's what's going on <laughs> there? I, it's not clear though. I mean, this is, these are the people we hear from. <laughs> um, the the I don't know, man. I mean, in the U.S., it's pretty clear that some people have enough money to get private tests uh, and, you know, in a speedy fashion. So I, I just read on Twitter that Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is, is infected, but also Idris Elba, you know, so so celebrities. Um, in Europe, though, I mean, it's, it seems to be more, more widespread uh, and obviously tests are free, but they're hard to get by. Uh, they they have guidelines, you know, unless unless you have like very severe symptoms, they're not testing you yet in France uh, because probably they want to hold on to their supply. Uh, but I think four members of parliament in France have been tested positive, two members of the government. So that's fast. Um, and now everything's closed off in Paris. And, you know, like last weekend in Paris you know even though people were told like don't go out this is really bad people were uh outside in the streets and you know at cafes and all that stuff so they had to close down everything um it's going to be very hard i think i think it's a learning curve i think it's this thing where you have to have the government tell them no 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 this is super serious for people at least in france and in italy to you know they're notorious it's a notoriously rebellious culture both, Italy and France. And so unless like the big daddy uh, in government tells them, no, 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 this is for real. You people have to stop. Uh, nothing happens. So it's accelerated learning in collective action, I guess. Um, the number of cases in Germany is rising as well. And Germany has a very federal government, a little bit like the US, you know. So each different lender is implementing different um, policies for now. So it's a little bit of a mess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still rising in Europe. Uh, and this is what we are going to face in the U.S. very soon. Now, in Europe, they're also, I was reading this morning, the government, the French government, at least, has basically said, whatever it takes, they're going to backstop everything. Uh, they're just going to you know inject money and pay unemployment to everybody um and they it's it, they're going to follow it through you know different schemes that exist in in the maze of the French welfare state uh but they know what to do so and and they basically the the minister of finances Bruno Le Maire basically said we're just going to blow through the 3% rule you know of um <laughs> deficit a yearly deficit, and it's like, and we're gonna go over one hundred percent of you know public debt, and that's like yeah sure, so what 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 seemed completely um out of the question or impossible you know a week ago is now uh, uh, the new normal, and um yeah, I mean Germany has like also decided to to take out the big bazooka and is gonna inject liquidity everywhere so they're they, trying um, to they're trying i, to do I heard nice in yeah, i
0: heard uh, that that the german government is floating the possibility of um euro bonds it would be like uh, uh oh really uh, yeah the bonds like backed by the whole you know yes, um, that was Eurozone. like a,
2: that was verboten like for the past you know since 2008 that was entirely verboten but now uh I I guess that's a good solution as well. You know, I'm not a bond expert, but that's on its face sounds like, you know, something. Everything
1: is possible. Yeah. And, And this is part of why we wanted to talk to you because before us, it seems we have, because of this crisis, almost every possible success and failure on offer politically and economically that could possibly be tried. And, and, and mm. uh, we, 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 have, we have the need for, for everything and anything to be attempted in order to save lives. And yet we see uh, so many different political philosophies, so many mm. different uh, versions. Like basically, if socialism and barbarism uh, are yes. the options, because it seems that really uh, capitalism will inevitably produce the crises that will lead to one or the other, we are definitely seeing right now unfolding before us different kinds of responses all at once that embody mm. the political imagination and social imagination for either socialism or barbarism. So, so it might be worth exploring those different kinds of imaginations and responses.
2: I, I think imagination, political imagination, is paramount right now, so that's why we're doing this. Um, I, I'm very heartened by uh, what I've read about Korea, which has a, which seems to display a sense of civicism, civic spirit that seems to be sorely lacking here in the U.S. Um, and and Korea has contained more or less the virus, even though there were crazy super spreaders. So I think there's, there's, a, there's something here to talk about um, in terms of a rekindling of civic spirit and a rekindling of a sense of collective action. And we're forced by the virus. Uh, a pandemic is, is, it is in a way, the moment when our interdependence through our social behaviors and our social bonds is, is manifested uh, in a very intimate way because it's life or death. I mean, um, and it's life or death, not just for us, but by our behavior, we will have an influence on who gets infected and who eventually dies. So the, the, it, it puts everything in very stark relief. And I, I, I'm kind of surprised, you know, it's almost like suddenly all these discussions of libertarianism and big government, not big government, all that is just out the window. It's, it's irrelevant. The
1: libertarians are very quiet right now. No, no, no! Well, you see,
0: they're they're talking about <laughs> state capacity libertarianism. Have you heard about this? Oh, that's a this good is, one. <laughs> this is a hot new uh, trend among libertarian bloggers. Like uh, Tyler Cowen has been talking about this, and it's like like sort of trying to graft on a need for like active government and some kind of social welfare policy mm. on top of traditional kind of libertarian ideology. And it, the whole thing is just completely incoherent. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, well, you, what,
1: you know, Tyler Cohen's been talking to Zizek a lot lately. So uh, you never uh,
2: know what, what happened to his, you know. Hey, welcome to the French Socialist Party. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can see. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's interesting because suddenly, you know, it's very urgent and no more pussyfooting around uh what government is or isn't, and what it should be, and now we're going to see the full force of government. It's hopefully. <laughs> is there is there a
1: French phrase that's equivalent to pussyfooting? By the way, <laughs>
2: uh, uh, tourner autour du pot. It's like um, <laughs> to turn around the pot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's the good one. I mean, it's. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. So you know, I was I was particularly stricken today. So I went on a walk in the deserted neighborhood in LA, and the air is so clear. The hum of the city is it has almost died down. Um, you 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 can feel it. Like you can breathe better. There are so few cars. It's it's. Um, I could get used to that even though it means economic <laughs> doom you know uh, but but like there there's there's here the there's something to remember and to learn from and we can probably I mean I don't know if we can how long we can do this but maybe we could find
1: this is this is like the near death experience where you glimpse like the heavenly ecstatic way of being mm. right before you die <laughs> but then you hopefully you hopefully drop back into your body and then you could bring back that wisdom and joy into your life huh yes and,
0: yeah. and try
2: to process it
0: yeah i i would say that that um you know what it, what it shows you what it, what it demonstrates concretely is that the current system of economic production relies on energy sources are literally poisonous. I mean, there's millions of deaths every year yeah. from coal and from auto pollution and all that stuff. And when, when it's, sh- you know, you literally the air cleans up and you can actually get a decent breath when, you know, the whole e- economy kind of shuts down overnight, <laughs> which is <And> apparently
1: <laughs> that the, the canals in uh, in Venice are cl- clear for the first time in however long.
2: Well, well, it's also, it rained. So let's, you know, uh, but, but so, so usually, you know, everything like goes, flows out into the sea, but, um, a lot of the, the dirt that's raised by the cars and all that is not, you know, there's almost no cars on the freeways. It's, um, it's an eerie experience and it's, I wish you it's know It's like a but,
1: John John Lennon song. Yeah. Imagine there's no traffic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I really wish we can find another way to do things once this is over because this is nice. This is very nice and this is this is nice right now. Yeah, like, it's not nice overall, but I'm trying no, to... No, it's,
1: it's a bizarre, It's a, 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 it's got to be a German word for, for whatever this feeling is, of course. But uh, being forced to work from home or not work or mm-hmm. be inside and have time to introspect it's of course unnerving because of the conditions yes. under which that that is forced to happen. But I think most people are experiencing the the phenomenological reality of wait a minute, life should be more of this. I should have more time to reflect. I should have less time working and slaving over. Right? Like I mean, I mean, something to be, to some, something fair, is opening
2: up. Yeah, but to be fair, also you know, um, we have to check our privilege on this. Uh, we're we're intellectual cultural workers. Uh, you know, like a lot of people on Twitter were joking about how I'm a podcaster, so you know, I'm Look, all right, I I'm just, a I just anyways. Okay, but, <laughs> manu,
1: I just killed and ate my neighbor. So don't tell me that I have privilege. <laughs> I'm surviving in every way I can. Okay? No, no, no.
2: <laughs> but, but you see what I'm saying? Like um, I think a lot of people are getting laid off like right now. And uh there's no, that that's true, thing. it's true. There's that too, and that's gonna be horrible. Um, no, that's a good point. Yeah,
0: I think the the you know the the response should be, you know, we we can't shut everything down like this forever. But what we could imagine is a way of ordering things that isn't so fucking filthy all the time. You know, it's like the uh, you yeah. y- you could still go, you know, and move around and go to restaurants and have a good time and be with people and so on. But we just don't need to be burning gasoline and natural gas and coal mm. all the time. You know, we could have. It is technically possible to have... An energy system which is just based entirely around green electricity of various Uh,
2: kinds—hydro, nuclear. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we can, and like, and we still cannot fly. I mean, that's we can't have airplanes. Yeah, that's true. And and that's That's a huge industrial uh, complex right there. And uh, Boeing is going down, and Airbus is going down. These are a lot of very qualified union jobs. Um, then airplanes are useful. So, yeah, I, I, uh,
0: yeah, I will say there, there is some initial promising technology on electric planes or, uh, uh, fuel cell powered planes. I mean, it's in its infancy, but I think that could probably work out. The other thing I'll say is, you know, there's there in the harbor in Philadelphia, there is the fastest ocean liner ever. Uh, the USS United States, oh, which wow. has been sitting in port in Philly since like 1997, and like <laughs> not the most
1: original name. Just going to say, but. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it, it uh, you know the the like what's her name Greta Thunberg. She she uh, did a, a boat trip across the Atlantic. Took her like two mm-hmm. weeks. But yeah, you know if if you got a, a renewable powered ocean liner probably like on the order of 10 to 50 times as efficient as an airplane maybe yes. it'll take you five six days to get to europe but like not forever and you know you could go in style you know you could have a little cabin to yourself yep. and whatnot so you know we could have i would say most of the kind of modern luxuries mm. um you know like we would just have to make everything much more efficient and wait, less wasteful, you know, less using plastic and, and, and fossil fuels mm. and all that stuff.
2: I, I think what's interesting also is this, this is a great social experiment where we're all cooped up at home and we have to focus on the essentials, which is, you know, our, our health and the health of the people around us. And we have to contemplate our mortality and what really matters to us. And um, a lot of the sort of hyper-consumption... Like it's not happening right now, and and we can actually we are being uh, taught by by circumstances, by forced circumstances that you know maybe we don't need all that crap. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just happy. I'm with my wife and my kid, and they're in good health for now. And I'm happy to be in good health, and and I'm happy to have books around and friends to talk to, and. Um, and, and food on the table and beyond that's that right. and, you know, and the shelter for me. But beyond that, you know, that's right. Like I'm satiated, you know, like I have satiation. I, I don't need more in life. Um, I don't need money. I don't need I mean, I need a little money to, you know, keep food on the table. But beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, the Essentials, it, the essentials. On the other
1: hand, the vast wealth that's created globally—it's very clear in this crisis—comes from the backs of the workers because everything grinds to a halt if they're not able to work. Yes, and so maybe what's most efficient is getting rid of the the capitalists who own the means of production <laughs> and are accumulating all the damn capital.
2: I, yeah. It's going yeah. to take time. No, no, but... but, well, but What but do really, we do now. So, so, No, but like, what do we so do So see,
1: we, we see at once how, how little is needed to have a meaningful life. Yeah. And yet we have a type of ordering globally. Global capitalism tells us we have to work our asses off so that people, some of them, can get very, very rich. They're miserable too. But the people that actually create this global order are the workers and they nor anyone else needs all this production and consumption to be happy. And it seems totally crazy, and it's becoming totally evident that it's a political choice we all are making to continue it, and it, it can't even sustain itself. So, so like, what do we do now?
2: We're in the cultural phase of the revolution. <laughs> uh, no, we are. Is it, is is that the Netflix phase? <laughs> no, no, but, like, we are in the phase where people start to reflect um, because, obviously, it's a weird revolution right because there is no um mass gathering and mass social action the mass social action is actually to distance each other uh, to take to to create distance from each other and but but deeper i think it forces us to address the notion that health is a good that is held in common like our health our individual health is the health of others as well so suddenly health is Manifested as a common good and as, as something that is common to, common to all of humanity. And it's a very concrete, practical thing. If you, if you get too close to people or if you force people to work, people are going to get infected and people are going to die. So this is interesting. And this is why I say it's the cultural phase because this is the moment where we are to reflect like, well, what the meaning of this starts to sort of uh, become uh, uh, more clear, I would say. And um, it's interesting also. You
1: you pointed out, Manu, this very interesting idea that is an epidemic or a pandemic where we have to have social distancing somewhat contradictorily or ironically making us more cosmopolitan and more aware of the other, more aware of our interconnectedness. And this is really interesting because usually... It's a new thing. It's a new thing. Usually, people with more privilege, more power, they can ignore people that don't have... Even bare life, mere life, or or necessities, and mm. they can keep having luxuries. But now everyone has to sacrifice their luxuries out of consideration for the necessity of life for everyone. And that's that's the kind of uh, thinking that is being forced here. Yes, it's a kind of social, socialist ethic that is being forced, and, and otherwise, if, if, otherwise, if, devastation and death follows. right? And
2: interestingly, a lot of um, welfare, what you would call welfare interventions, like. In the past, in the 19th century and 20th century, in England, but also um, in the U.S., uh, uh, among communities of color, people of color, it's it's cholera and tuberculosis that forced social welfare interventions to help the poor in England in the 19th century. And then, you know, in the South, in the U.S., in the 20th century. So um, health and public health has been historically a, a conduit for uh, the transformation of, of and distributive transformation and forced distributive transformation. Because suddenly, the people who own the capital are like, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna get in trouble if we don't make sure that the workforce or the marginalized communities or the poor are not healthy." And pandemics. And the epidemics of that sort have this very um, gripping power uh, and and social power that because this is a social crisis it's public health it's it's a virus it's there are all sorts of you know questions around this but fundamentally it's a social crisis it's a crisis of society and it will force redistribution it will force redistribution because my health means the health of others and that's it's unfortunate and it's terrible and it's horrible that it's happening like that because people many many people are going to die it's horrible yeah it it shows manner that there there is a society but it's kind
1: of like that plant that you forgot about that you haven't been watering and yep. that is going dry and we realize oh shit we need to water the plant is it too late
2: it's we're we're thoroughly it's interesting how thoroughly unprepared the United States is. Um and you know, countries that are prepared, like you know, that have a good healthcare system like France and Italy, they're overwhelmed. Um so I I shudder to think what's what's in store for us in the next two weeks if we don't um if we don't self this. You see,
1: Joe Biden Joe Biden taught us that
2: the reason Italy is so overwhelmed
1: is because of single payer. So
0: um Yeah. What an asshole! <laughs> but that you know that I, the question I couldn't
1: tell if that was more assholeish or or more stupid. It was it was a combination of malice and ignorance that was amazing.
0: That's Joe Biden. That's his whole career.
2: Um, I mean, it but, is what it is. These people are suddenly very irrelevant. You notice also like how 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 this doesn't carry through. Um, the, the rah rah, you know, uh, we're the best. Uh, we have the best healthcare system in the world, all that stuff. Like, honestly, guys, it's, I mean, guys, when I say that, I mean, it seems that it doesn't, it, <laughs> what, what Joe Biden says about public health is really at the window right now as well. I mean, it's it's not, um, the The question really is what we the, do the, afterwards. The only but, thing that
1: Joe Biden is an expert on is how to sniff young girls' hair. Oh, goodness. <laughs>
2: no, but I mean, like, what really matters is what we do afterwards. Um, and we have to, Consider, and we have to take health. That's, I mean, as a human right, that's definitely true. But concretely, what that means is that it's a common good. This is a good that is shared with everybody. This is, this is our common good, the same way the atmosphere is our common good. And we have to treat both the same way, as a common good. And we have to design policies around governing the commons. Um No, of course. But politically, in in
1: terms of political theory, equality and freedom have been conceptualized as also things that are in common and that if Mm. anyone is unfree, then no one is is free. And if anyone is Mm. is unequal, then no one is uh, experiencing equality because it's something that's done collectively or not. And that's Mm. why injustice is a a thing we have to fight. So this is like the leftist understanding of how we should orient to
2: others and to the state, right? it's a we're getting a, a a huge lesson right now, right? Everybody's being taught a lesson
0: yeah and and I think you know the the lesson to to garner from the various different national responses is that you know wh- what what you need here is number one is a sort of foundation like the basics of a social democratic welfare state. they have that in South Korea, they have that in Taiwan. They have that in Hong Kong. Um, And then on top of that, you need a government which is at any time ready to go. You know, if there is some kind of pandemic, you know, you, you need to have... Uh, constantly updated stockpiles of of medical materials you need to be ready to sort of nationalize stuff at the drop of a hat you know start securing supplies of masks and ventilators and stuff uh temporarily you know closing the borders or or implementing you know sort of mandatory tests and quarantines anytime somebody's moving uh in into the country um and and then a uh, citizenry which is uh regularly sort of educated you know uh, right right when the virus struck in Vietnam you know the government put out this like snappy little pop video that was about you know it was like here's how to wash your hands social distance don't you know uh, don't don't get too close to everyone and you know in Europe they they have the the first part of that most in most countries but I think they were missing. You know, they were, they were asleep at the switch when it came to the rapid response. And I think and also
2: uh, it's, a, it's a question of civic culture. Yeah, uh, that,
0: yeah, the third part too.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, and, and Korea, like they were ready because of SARS in 2002. Yep. And, and I don't believe the argument that, you know, the Asians are, you know, are more, you know, like hive mind and more, you know, like this is <laughs> no. horrible. This is not true. Like Korea, the government was ready because in two thousand two SARS hit, and they didn't want a repeat of that. So, they they they. It's like wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's I, like when I they train people. Th- there
1: there is a difference in cultures, though. We, we, we there can't is. pretend there's no difference. No, no, but
2: like it's not like something that's ingrained in some kind of Asian. Oh, mind. it's not ingrained.
1: It's socially constructed. But of I course. remember when the World Cup was taking place in South Korea, and like the world cup player's soccer ball was kicked into the stands and the, the 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 fan in the stands that caught it he threw it back of course like into the That's right a, you yes. know the, Ameri- the americans the americans would literally stab each other to steal oh, it they do, from uh, the other uh, fan dude they, you know they do what I'm the saying? same like like we <laughs> We do have very different understandings of property and individualism and, and, versus collect. Like, so let's not pretend those don't exist. That's, that's true. are very important.
2: You, and you know what happens in Europe? It's like when the ball is kicked into the stand, um, <laughs> yeah. they always have like twenty other balls around the the, the field <laughs> because like they don't even expect to see it back. So it's like okay, let's just you know. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's um, it's, yes, there are there are cultural differences, well, no, because, but but it's socially constructed. Because, but if
1: for sure socially constructed. But what I want to say is that, because in this country we have, so when you talk about civic mindedness and citizenship, we have a kind of, especially on the right, oh, patriotism, nationalism. And yet that's a nationalism that is not only opposed to cosmopolitanism cosmopolitanism and opposed to solidarity with other countries uh, and that highly emphasizes the friend-enemy distinction but it's the kind of nationalism and patriotism that doesn't even care about fellow citizens it doesn't have solidarity amongst americans you know what i mean so there's something very different in the kind of civic response that a country like south korea has and i think that's important to disentangle because their civic response is compatible with cosmopolitanism where ours is not wait because they're taking care of us i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, That's exactly no exactly whereas ours is destructive
2: of us and everyone else you know i mean i i'm holding out hope that people will empty the beaches in florida quickly um i'm holding out hope that um The message will get relayed through by, you know, governors and local governments, which have been, uh, I don't know about New York, but in LA, they've, they've been very quick and responsive. Like they're suspending evictions. Uh, they're going to find places for the homeless. Um, they're bracing, you know, for, for the onslaught. Um, I, so, so, you know, the, the sort of like the, the, the places, the locus where people interact with government, is is at least here in LA, it's been good. Like they suspect, like for instance, now you know all uh, traffic tickets and tickets if you park in the wrong spot are like waived for the duration. You know all that, all these things um, seem to be. We'll see if uh, the garbage gets picked up tomorrow morning. Um, so it seems to me, at least, that in some places the response has been adequate. Uh, and now, you know, it's relying on people to actually self-discipline. And and, and for some people, it's not going to be easy because they need to make rent. They need to work. I, w- I was at the Starbucks this morning, you know, with like social distancing and all that. The kids working there are like, um, we're, our shifts have been cut. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to make rent. Um, so it's, yeah and, and this is the
1: this is the crazy thing because people can only be so responsible to each other um in the context of how responsible the state is to the people
2: when, in yeah. this case i mean in, in this case right like, like how can somebody
1: yeah. to you know what I mean how can you expect somebody to not go to work and risk um you know spreading the disease if they are not sure that they can have shelter over their head because the government hasn't assured them that they're going to put a moratorium on, uh, I mean, the the, so forth, the right?
2: logical thing to do would be something akin to what they're doing in France, where they're just going to pay unemployment to whoever for however long. I mean, so I want to understand this. So, so they have unemployment for people,
1: but why are they giving small businesses uh, because, the, the moratorium, but not not for, uh, as I understand it, the normal citizen still has to pay rent,
2: right? Um, the yes, but the way it's going to work, I think my understanding is. They don't want people to get laid off. And there's a policy uh, in place that's called par- partial unemployment where it's yes. it's furloughs.
1: Uh, furloughs?
2: furloughs fur- yes,
1: because they, they said the employers cannot lay them off.
2: I they, saw that. They, they're good. not laid off. And the government, usually the government picks the tab up to the minimum wage and the employer has to fill up the rest, you know. Um, okay, so they pay, they, they pay rent because p- they're still they're still they're, getting enough income that, where they could. They're okay. actually going to get their regular pay. They're just not going to come to work, and the state is going to pick up the tab. So this is this is it's one of the venues. It's one of the conduits. Like they have all these stuff in place in France, and and there are lots of nooks and crannies. They haven't uh, published the the actual what they call the loi rectificative, so so the finance law that will sort of. Put that into action. They have not published it, but there are so many little levers on which they can act and funnel money through. So that's what they're doing. Um, people are going to keep paying rent because people are going to keep getting paid for now. We'll see what happens in three months. Um, maybe there'll be a debt jubilee or forbearance. And um, the, I think that that's what, you know, that's that's OK if it's legal uh, to, to sort of that's OK. To suspend all mortgage payments and all that and and if we need if we're gonna have like 25 percent unemployment and 12 percent in gdp cut for the quarter which is what i read today um then you know it's okay to sort of suspend that payment it's okay yeah,
0: yeah there there are a number of policy options coming through and it seems like the sort of broad thing that people are groping towards in various ways is basically just putting the economy on pause for a minute um it's, well, minute. And, <laughs> yeah for, yeah a number of months you know uh, as mm. long as it may take uh mm. to to sort of develop a vaccine which seems to be the the only way i've seen to kind of handle this permanently um because, you know, unless you get every case, then it could very easily explode again. Um, mm. It may be possible to become reinfected. But at any rate, you know, the thing is that like, you know, in the extreme, when you have a depression, governments can borrow without limit. Yeah. Yeah. If they have their own currency, they can print without limit and they yeah. can support their country's debt by that way. Because the only reason you would ever fear additional borrowing or printing is inflation. But if people are not working, <laughs> not going to happen right now. Yeah, the, and so this idea, you know, uh, we we can get into policy um, based uh, various approaches coming out of the you know the Congress uh, in the U.S. But Gabriel Zucman, yes, um, the French economist, uh, he he had a, he's American yeah. as
2: well, you know, French American. French-American, I, just like, I'm
0: Greek-American, damn it. I didn't want to insult him by associating him with this dog-shit
2: country. <laughs> no, he, he, he's, he's trying touché, to... Touché, touché. But he's trying to make it better. So, yes, That's right, yes. yes, yes. No, right, French-American yes, economists recently <laughs>
0: denied tenure, at, or denied a position at Harvard because his of politics. The Harvard <laughs> president didn't agree with his ideology. But at any rate, he has a proposal... And the,
1: the Harvard president's address is
2: (laughs) (laughs) let it rest Do do we have it that'd be amazing let it it. rest let it rest man let it rest
0: (laughs) you don't want to go to harvard that place is is a a locus of evil but um no at any rate he has a proposal for the government act as a payer of last resort and the idea is you know you you pay businesses to not lay their employees off Mm -hmm. you keep the the paychecks flowing And then in that case, you know, you, you limit unemployment, you stop, I think, especially small businesses, you know, a lot of restaurants and, and auto shops and stuff like that, that are on a knife's edge, you know, they can't survive closing for, for weeks or months. And then that way you preserve, you know, businesses get a lot of shit very deservedly. Mm. um, But, you know, they are the sort of locusts of production at this point. And you don't want to just like flush all that down the toilet, for reasons of, you know, not uh, wanting to be unfair. And, and also, on-
2: it's it's also like the the thing about this policy is also that then you're ready when, because there's going to be pent up demand. When, uh, uh you know, when this shit is over, suddenly people are going to rush and it's going to snap. And we got, we need to be ready for when the economy rolls back. And we need yeah, to have exactly. people employed. So uh, I hope policymakers hear Gabby Zuckman. That's, that's what I'm saying. And I think he should come on the podcast. Another French...
1: Uh, Absolutely. We, we would love that. Uh, d- do you give us permission to call him Gabby? I don't know. You need
2: to ask him. I, I call him Gabby. We'll ask him. Okay. That's the same way people call me Manu, you know, because we we, we we the French. We love nicknames. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I... I yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, Ryan. Sorry, sorry, again, again, sorry. Yeah, the
0: the I think the the second half of this proposal or uh, versions of it I've seen uh, in the U.S. context is then you you put strings on it. You know, you say okay, you're taking this like government bailout basically to keep the keep the lights on at these businesses, but in return. No dividends, no share buybacks. Your executive compensation cannot be ridiculous. And then afterwards, we have a progressive tax to sort of recoup the, the you know, once the economy comes roaring back, as you say, we can claw back a lot of that money, which is going to yep. come in the form of, you know, massive surge of profits. And, you know, that it's 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 the kind of thing, you know, it it demonstrates that the state is our collective institutions is and always has been behind the, the foundation of the economic system and yeah. you cannot help but manage it from time to time. And if you choose not to do these things as the, you know, the United States has done to sort of leave them to private enterprise and the lobbyists mm. in Congress, you become exceptionally vulnerable to, uh, pandemics this, uh, type. Yeah.
2: I, I want to say something else. Um, and I think you know I hope people are learning now that life saving drugs, the vaccines um whichever antiviral treatment will be tested and proven uh, uh you know efficient uh, and and relevant should you know no patents on this, and it should be no. widely available. And, and this should be, you know, because the state is going to pay for a lot of the research anyways, it's going to be public research, and, you know, private and public and whatever. I'm perfectly happy. The patent system, by the way, um, is born out of the French Revolution, in part. And <laughs> I, it was about protecting inventors for a set amount of time. And the only way you would get a patent was if you added something to something that already exists. Uh, Did you patent the uh, guillotine? Because well done on that one. <laughs> no, but I mean, so so there's something to be said for patents, but not the way it is used as a as a as a Trojan horse for monopoly. Um, and what we're seeing here yeah. is that um, we are going to need, for the health of everybody in the world, we're going to need. Enormous capacity to produce vaccines, enormous capacity to produce antiretrovirals or antiviral drugs. And these should be generic and these should be, you know, uh, subsidized widely or bought by the state and distributed widely. Because as we are going to realize very soon, the, the normal ways of doing business with healthcare and all that like is, is, is not working anymore uh, in the U.S., so I, I think one, the basic policy I want to get out of this is a sense that for life-saving drugs in these particular situations and maybe in others, we absolutely need generic drugs. And we absolutely need a way to compensate those who develop them and, you know, put capital and time into developing them and they'll be compensated. But we don't want them gouging. We don't want EpiPen for the cure to the coronavirus. <laughs> no well, God, and, help
1: and how do you, and how do you respond to this idea? Because I don't think, unfortunately, our man, our boy, our absolute boy, Bernie, I don't think he did his best in the debate with Biden because Biden was trying to make this emergency, this pandemic, kind of an ex- exceptional situation, and of course we should pay for everyone's treatment. And uh, but that doesn't that hasn't he literally said that has nothing to do with Medicare for all. That has <laughs> this is
2: just an emergency. Uh, then, I think we
1: need to, to, to connect the dots a little bit that's and why make the I,
2: argument. That, that's why I was talking about health as a common good and a good that we hold in common together and that we should treat accordingly. Uh, the same way we should treat the climate and the atmosphere as a common Absolutely. good. Absolutely, And it's a foundation on which we can experiment and on which we can, you know, be creative, and even, you know, have uh, entrepreneurship. Like, you know, it's great. Entrepreneurship is fantastic. Small businesses are fantastic, but there, need, there needs to be foundations underneath. Um, I'm more of a PKT type of person, even though, you know, I used to be an anarchist, but I am myself um, really rethinking uh, right now my, my, my deep-seated French anarchism, because I think there are things that only the state can provide. And, and even um, the state as, as the nation state is something, but I think, you know, even globally, maybe global coordination, I would very much like to remain an anarchist out of um, a sense of, you know, romanticism. But at the same time, I think, you know, there are institutions that deserve to exist and uh this is this is why you know i I like what Bernie was saying, and I like what the people defending Medicare for all are saying it 's we need institutions that are for the common good uh, and it's it 's just crazy
1: manu it 's crazy it 's that we should we should not let the profit motive decide how many respirators and ventilators there are when we know that there are circumstances of emergency. Where we would need to have these things to help the people. Like it, interestingly, it, you know, interesting, I mean,
2: interestingly, you know, like the only people who can build respira- respirators fast right now are, you know, companies that own large manufacturing facilities, um, and mm-hmm. so it's a little bit like war production, you know, World War II, and when they converted uh, the Ford factories into, you know, airplane factories, and the government just paid, uh, and but there was a limit, you know, in war provisions. Like there was a very clear limit on how much profit you will extract from this, and usually it was no more than ten percent. So you know it's it's the sort of a uh, um, you you see that in in many industries where you say this is the cost of goods and this is my my share, you know, on top of it, and that's look. Manu, if if you need if you need
1: the profit motive to invent a special dildo, fine. But like for <laughs> no, things that, for thi-
2: I, for I, things I that everyone need, right? You know what I mean? I, for things that everyone needs, we can just do it. I right? agree. I agree. But I also I, I also um I'm I'm getting bogged down in the practicalities almost. So the theory, I'm all for it, and I think you know I, I totally agree with you. I mean, from from a, the standpoint of humanity, now. The practical, like in the world we're living, the practical solution for the crisis right now is to tell, you know, Boeing to stop like building their, you know, 737 MAX for a while, you know, and right. and just build respirators for everybody. But
1: Spain, right? Look at Spain. Yeah. Spain privatized, I mean, nationalized
2: all the hospitals, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in France, when you're a doctor, so there are private hospitals in France, by the way, but... Um, usually they're private clinics and it's for rich people and all that. But the private clinics, you know, all the doctors there are state trained and doctors consider themselves public servants in France. Uh, it helps that in France, uh, the moment you take the intern, you know, the internist exam. So after three years, you, if you pass, you start getting paid right away. You're a state employee. So um, there's no medical, there's no student debt uh so or very little um so 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 the ethos is also that this is a public service this is not like i'm gonna be the doctor who's like the big man at the shul you know and who's president of the shul like that's not sorry la reference obscure la reference but the the you don't go in (laughs) you don't go into medicine to make money in france like this is not you do it for for humanity um, some doctors, you know, they do a hair implants and all that. But that's, that's one thing.
1: So uh, That's how I feel about the podcast. We, <laughs> we could have gone into it for the money, but it's for the common good. Right, Ryan? Uh, which
2: <laughs> I mean, you have to have – like, that's the other thing I was thinking. We have to model as adults, you know, to our kids and to our friends. We have to, to sort of model what it means to be responsible in these moments. Uh, and one other thing that is very important – and I was reminded of that because we are living through incredible, very fast uh, quickening events and cascading events. And, and I was reminded of, you know, how people reacted to the French Revolution. And it's interesting because the moment it starts, people start writing and thinking about what it means. And so this is, this is what we're doing right now. And it's going to be an ongoing process of reckoning and trying to understand what is happening while, while it's happening, and maybe try to. We cannot divine the future, but we can state our preferences and try to rally people around those preferences and hopefully have some influence in the ways things get settled later. Um, so,
1: what you're saying is we should burn Nancy Pelosi in effigy. <laughs>
2: No, we can't. We cannot go out. There are no pitchforks, man. <laughs> we can't go out. We can't touch everybody. This is a very interesting moment. <laughs> there, there's no but like okay, we're joking, but there there's there's not this sort of mass conflict. Usually, you know, in the in the so, sort of like social upheaval, you have like it's class against class. It's it's it, it there's not right,
1: a- right. We we could do a na- we can do a national strike. We could just not work. We could we could uh we could stop if everyone stops paying rent at the same time, we automatically appropriate the most wealth in the history of the country. We we just, are, this is my home now. <laughs> no, right here. This
2: is mine. But we are in a national strike. And we are in a general strike right in now. A in, in a way. In you know, a way. It's a forced yeah. general strike. It's just not not what we expected. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a it's a I'm joking, but it's it's a historical There's power there though, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's a historical invention. We we are we are confronted with a a new historical reality that we never expected would unfold this way. Um, And being forced at home and millions, hundreds of millions of people across the world are forced to stay at home and to sort of sit down and do some work from home, deal with their kids and think and think of their mortality. And this is, this is unique. This is a unique moment. I want to convey the, 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 Gigantic, the, the the world changing aspect of this. Um, this is this is completely
1: new. Some people don't. Some people don't realize there are hundreds of thousands or millions of people that will die.
2: There's that too, um, and yeah, that's, the, this that's, could very
0: well be bigger than two thousand eight. I think at this point.
2: Oh, the, undoubtedly, man, and um, the the number of people who are, who are going to die because of bad, um, policy and, and because of the irresponsibility of people in charge who did not, I had a friend epidemiologist in January who was like telling me, dude, this is horrible. This is horrible. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're, <laughs> and I was like, come on, how horrible can it get? You know, I said pretty bad. I mean, that's no, what she but said. What's but, interesting.
1: And, and Ryan, I think you can speak to this too. Um, Trump has been terrible, but like he's terrible in a certain way that doesn't even speak to the ways that he has nothing to do with that are terrible in this country, at least about our failures, the ways that neoliberalism has not prepared us for this kind of moment.
0: Yeah, that I think that's right. You know, I I spoke before about the sort of three level uh, response that you need. You know, Trump has completely fucked up the the sort of administrative logistic area of the response i mean just bungled it horribly they
2: don't even want the test from germany the who test i mean it's like
0: they refused the test from germany they made their own it didn't work took them weeks to fix it and now they're trying to ramp up production like a month after they should have been doing that um and then he's also poisoned the the sort of civic uh solidarity aspect of it too, because the whole right wing media has been saying this is fake news it's a media Oh, they just
2: pivoted right they just pivoted like they're yesterday.
0: starting <laughs> you you see the 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 people they're starting to to pivot uh they're they're going from this is a hoax to it's democrat's fault
2: oh it's um, the chinese virus the Chinese virus is particularly vicious yeah. But I think that's yeah, that's another eth- ethno
1: nationalism doesn't do so well in this circumstance. Yeah, th- actually.
0: that's that's the other thing I wanted to point out was is that you know we're seeing that this is totally discrediting the the kind of right wing populist approach. You know, we we have yeah. some sort of like elements of uh, you know welfare spending that are coming up from from Republicans in the extreme. Mm. You know, a, a kind of like fascist light, you know, Heronvolk democracy. But mm-hmm. you know the the whole the whole engine of that type of politics is about excluding the other. Yep. And um you know what what we see with the virus is that number 1, you know, you're only as safe as your least cared for person. It's like it's like Trump going yes. to give medicare to the his concentration camp uh immigrants. Um no, he's not going to, you know, there will be like very slight, uh, c- catering to those, you know, the instinct of the ethno nationalists is always to give the benefits to like the sort of bourgeois middle-class and type And that's
2: of, going to bite them so hard because kids are, uh, you know, can carry the, the, the virus, but you know, they don't get sick. So... Yeah. And then on the
0: other hand, um, you know, y- y- you see... Uh, in China and the United States, you know, which, which there is a sort of similar ethno nationalist type of mm. uh, thinking in China that they're they're blaming it on each other. And I think the Republicans started this. They started yeah. saying, oh, this is a, a Chinese bioweapon. This is a North Korean bioweapon. You know, like, God, yes, yes, scapegoating. But you know, it, it was just random happenstance, and the Chinese did fuck up the initial response. But once it got out, you know, I mean, that could have could have happened even if they did a, a South Korea type of uh, job. It's
2: it's interesting because there's there's this desire to blame, yeah, and and to and to hurt and to to hit hit back, and um, that and you know, and by the way, the Chinese, yeah, they're they're like circulating crazy theories that. This was an American bioweapon. I mean, like, come on, people. What we need to do is chill. I mean, chill. We need to have international cooperation. We need to have practical cosmopolitanism here, because otherwise we're all going to get infected. Uh, Exactly.
0: Yeah. And and that's the other weakness with the ethno-nationalist thing is you can't, you know, you, you stoke these uh, international conflicts that prevent any sort of world-coordinated response, and if there's a single country that remains a sort yes, of reservoir we're still, of the virus, we're still you're
2: fucked. fucked. Yes, we're still fucked. So we're gonna have to treat everybody everywhere, and yep. uh, and we're gonna have to do it in a coordinated fashion, and and dissing international organizations and and efforts at international coordination, which the previous administration had. They had done a lot of work on this, and this was all like uh, dogmatically erased by Bolton, who's now saying, it wasn't my fault, it wasn't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, John Bolton likes to kill people. Yes, he does. um, He was
0: the guy, to to be specific about this, Obama had a whole pandemic response team that had been put in place after the swine flu outbreak, I believe, mm -hmm. and Bolton fired the entire... Thing they just deleted the entire thing. The whole staff was fired. And- deleted
2: from the National Security Council. So, um, you know, we streamline the bureaucracy. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it it's, is. I mean, it's. But that's you know the, this dogmatism. I mean, like uh, I, Bolton does protest too much uh, because he knows he, he screwed up. Like he's not an idiot. He's a malicious person. That's you know it's very different. Uh, but I think the the clear message here is that we need to have some form of cosmopolitanism when it comes to common goods, and yeah. so we need to have that cosmopolitanism, which in practice means international cooperation within the workings of the Westphalian state system and sovereignty, which I'm, you know, I think is uh, basically being uh, tested very thoroughly right now. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm not saying we're going to have a world government out of this, but I'm saying there are some things that could be governed at the international level and maybe that should be governed at the international level. The one thing that should be governed at the international level is public health. And of course this clashes right. with the biopolitical, uh, uh, ideology of the nationalists who, who, who want the blood and soil and, and only my people. But like, you know, the, the, the virus and the pandemic dissolve these, uh, um, these theoretical explanations about, you know, race and national uh, uh, identity and all that. We are all in this together
0: yeah yeah there was a report that that uh Trump had attempted to bribe a german manufacturer oh God, yes into provide get uh providing yes. the vaccine if they do develop one pro- providing it exclusively to the united states Wh-
2: which he doesn't know about vaccines obviously <laughs> <laughs> no but, but it, I
0: mean- the instinct is so totally backwards because you know if you're thinking about this from a sort of any kind of National security standpoint, or a standpoint of uh you, you know, buy egal- it you give it
2: to everybody. Yes, yes, you you you
0: cannot allow it to just be in one country because that would it, it would won't work. T- yeah it won't work.
2: It won't Idiotic. work. People, people fly in like it won't work. People fly in, fly it. It won't work. Look, I'm fundamentally. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get, I'm, I'm getting fu- excited. The, the
1: react. The reactionary. Friend-enemy distinction is not just uh, normatively bad, it's stupid. Yes. Because, I mean, that's the thing we need to understand is that, like, the socialist ethic, which says we're all bound up with each other, is not just normatively preferable. It's, like, ontologically, descriptively true.
2: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) practically, right? it's, it's It's a very practical thing. It's true.
1: Yes, yes. So, so, like, so. if you reject the norms, you're also rejecting the better picture of reality, and you're harming even your supposed truncated self-interest.
0: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yep. The self-interested
2: think- thing to do is to all be socialistic, or, or to adopt socialist ethics when it comes to the pandemic, and when it comes to global warming, because these problems are very similar in nature. Yep. Yeah, this is that's kind right. of
0: accelerated global warming right here. We're, we're getting a warp speed uh, yes. version of what global warming will be like. It'll be, you know, slow, slow. Oh, shit, shit's getting bad. Shit's, oh, God, everything's falling to pieces all of a sudden. Yes. And and
1: the the thing is, though, like, having a life that's a little more simple and more concerned with how your actions affect others is actually a happier life. That's the crazy thing, right? Like, the crazy thing is that, like... The narcissistic, you know, fake atomistic perspective where where you're disconnected from everyone else, that makes you miserable. These rich motherfuckers are miserable.
2: It, you know, the the
1: socialist ethic on is the, better it, for it, everyone,
2: but it makes everyone happier. So they're you, in their rat race. That's uh, it's uh the the rat race is not just for us. It's it's for the it, the the tyranny of small differences and all of these yes. We 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 agree on that. I I, I yes. So, so sh- <laughs> should we shift to to what what are
1: let's let's talk policy, but let's also also talk about utopia or the imaginary. What can we reject and what should we envision? You know, both practically in terms of what our country and others uh-huh. should do. Uh, but then it just I don't know about you guys, but
2: I don't know about you guys, but I think that if we manage out of this to actually build a, or coordinate institutions that provide health care and to start treating healthcare as a public good and as a common good, um, this will in a way irradiate in other areas of society. And I think it has been demonstrated as a practical matter that we need to treat public health as a public good and healthcare as a human right. But as a public good, like the discourse of human right, I entirely agree with it, but it's almost too abstract. It has to be. It's a public good. It benefits everybody. It's the efficient way to do this. So if we get that out of it, everything's possible.
0: Yeah, ju- just a quick note on uh, on some policies here. Uh, the last week, uh, Nancy Pelosi had a, a coronavirus bill that she negotiated with the uh, the White House, which you know had a number of stipulations, There's some uh, f- free coronavirus testing, uh, some food aid, and a sick leave proposal that. Uh, exempted 80% of privately employed workers and didn't do anything for informally employed workers or undocumented people. Um, then over the weekend, uh, there was negotiation, or no, on, on Monday, there was further negotiation with the White House. It weakened it further, the the, the paid leave stipulation. Um, but meanwhile, I think what, what's really striking about this moment politically is that the gr- The ideological ground is shifting very, very quickly. Mm. So yeah. we see Mitt Romney, Republican senator from Utah. He's he proposed a one thousand dollar per capita cash grant to every adult. Tom Cotton didn't came they out- do
2: that during the year after nine eleven? Like I didn't get it, but like I remember, everybody got a check, right?
0: They did that in two thousand eight. I think it was about three hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and uh they they might have done it after 911 I don't I'm not sure about that but there I mean, was I, I, there was a $300 check that they sent out um Tom Cotton remarkably he he wrote this um piece which you know he put it up on Medium and it was it was just this scathing attack on the Pelosi bill from the left that was yes, absolutely correct Republicans
1: are 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 taking taking the left path and trying to outflank us
2: on the left. Some
0: of them are Tom Cotton, Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley, um, right. So we, you, mean the, you know,
2: the the known fascists. Well, the
1: no, no, no. Ha- Hawley is pl- plenty fascist. We we had an episode on his uh, cosmopolitan elites speech yeah. at the uh, conservative. I know, remember conference. that. Yeah. So, me- so no, no. The da- the danger is that Trump and people like Hawley will actually move economically to the left of the Democrats. I and mean, then combine that with the with the blood and soil fascist instinct, and uh, that's we, we've Ryan and I have been saying for a long time that's very the most dangerous thing that Trump ha- has thus far seemed too stupid to do.
0: Yeah, but meanwhile, the the Senate Democrats are have proposed a uh, uh, cash payments of up to forty five hundred dollars and okay. uh, additional payments of fifteen hundred you know okay. th- it's semi-means tested but you know it's a lot bigger than what the republicans have proposed so mm-hmm. far trump has uh 850 billion dollar stimulus plan that may go up to 1.2 trillion mm-hmm. um it, the 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 plan uh that came out today uh uh tuesday i guess right mm-hmm. um it was 500 billion dollar payroll tax cut 250 billion dollar Dollars for loans to small business and a $50 billion airline bailout. Um, and so, you know, that's not ideal in terms of targeting, you know, poor people don't pay any payroll taxes. I mean, I would benefit enormously if I don't get fired, which I very well might, but, uh, the, you know, you see stuff that a week ago would have been absolutely incomprehensible for Republicans to get behind of any kind. You know, um, the fact that even a single Senate Republican is talking about this sort of thing. And now even McConnell is saying that this House bill isn't generous enough and we're going to boost it to the left. And so this is a window in which, you know, Democrats could, you know, they have control of the House and so they could say here's what we, what should be done according to our sort of expert analysis of the problem take it or leave it republicans they would probably get most of what they want uh so far pelosi has shown no inclination whatsoever to do that jason furman who was a, an economist in the uh obama uh administration he on a conference call with uh house with with democrats you know across the board he suggests the cash payment approach. Like we should just dole out mm-hmm. checks and yeah. Pelosi shot him down. I think she, she is, has temperamentally the worst, conservative man. instincts on this kind of
2: thing. What's the thinking about not doing it? Like, uh, is it because they think it's, I mean, I'm not an expert. I look at this. I'm a spectator sport for me. I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Like it makes no sense. Like the, the, you don't want to be the tax-unspent Democrat, but, like, it, it, is, that, is that what's going on here?
1: You're right, Manu. You're, you're not an expert in the kind of stupidity that is singular <laughs> for someone like Nancy Pelosi.
2: No, but... Well, <laughs> it's, hard, it's, hard, it's
1: hard to grasp
0: that stupidity. It's hard to know what the hell they're thinking. Um, you know, but they I They want to be think
2: responsible? Fiscally I think responsible?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a sort of temperamental timidity, you know, just like sort of the the democratic tendency to roll up into a ball and give up whenever times get hard. But well, also, they negotiate
2: with themselves a lot. Is is that they're too smart for themselves? Is that? Yeah,
0: they. But they don't. You know, d- Democrats have often. You know, they they. Have internalized the idea that the Reagan Revolution is permanent. America is a center right country, Mm -hmm. and the best you can do is a sort of timid, milquetoast shit. And so the idea, like just in terms of like the the political state of play, of going for a really. Just balls to the wall kind of stimulus and sort of mm. setting your flag out there and 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 organizing around it as a negotiating position is totally foreign to them. Like it's just it, incomprehensible. It's, al- it's
1: almost it's almost as if they're so dumb that they think that whatever is actually required is per se politically not viable, and so yep. they have to like they have to like attempt something less than what would work, despite. The idea that mm. perhaps the thing that would work would be popular—that that that is just uh, I, not 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 at all. Uh, something I can I, be- I sense
2: that uh, reality is going to teach them a very bitter lesson.
0: I hope so. Yeah, yeah but I I, mean, I it, think that's true. I mean, you just just over the weekend, Trump completely hmm. shifted 180 degrees from saying that this is no big deal, let's not worry about it, to yes. this is very serious. A lot of people are going to die, and we need like a very big um, stimulus package. And and now all the stuff about debt and deficit—how are you going to pay for it? It's all out the window. Nobody's talking about that. Crap and anymore. rightly so. Rightly yes. so. Shut yes, down and- the
2: Peterson Institute. <laughs> I mean, like what? Yes, yes, of course, this is what's needed. So I don't, I, I don't understand. I, I, um, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I think. Um, it's very possible that uh, Trump and the Republicans might benefit electorally from this. Oh, yeah. That's the other question I had. Uh, why isn't there a bill to vote by mail? Like right away, right now? We're like, w- w- what's going on here? Like, why are they forcing people to go to the voting booth? This is cr- that's the other thing the, the DNC, they're evil. Those bastards would not,
1: uh, I mean, Ohio, it looks like, uh, you know, the Supreme Court in Ohio was able to to um, mm. to allow the postponement of the primary. But uh, the DNC didn't seem to take a stand and seem to want things to go forward. And so Florida and other states. Yeah, they voted uh, today, apparently, right? yeah. yeah, today, apparently they voted. Um, exacerbating the public health crisis and, uh, you know, delegitimizing the results. It's its insane.
2: I don't know if I mean, it delegitimizes the results. I think like at this point, people don't care. I mean, it's, it's it, I mean, don't care in the sense, given the scale of what's happening, like playing these little games is a little, there should be vote by mail everywhere. What's going on? And for the presidential election. And that alone will fundamentally change the outcome, by the way. So – but i it's not – I mean,
1: you're right. If we were if we were serious, we would imprison Joe Biden and teach him ah. about consent, and then we would just have Bernie be the next president. But we're not serious, and so we have no, to you, figure out
2: what to do. At this point also, I think – okay, we're joking, but I think it's very important to um, model nonviolence and yeah. – I, I really I mean, and I'm saying that from the heart. Like I'm kind of you know, I feel terrible about the way the the uh, primary unfolded, but and and I think mistakes were made. But I also think at this point we need to emphasize nonviolence and compassion, and and we need to. I'm not saying mending the the rifts and 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 settling the scores. There'll be time for this. But right now, I, I want I want people to be able to exercise their democratic rights in a way that doesn't kill them. And so there should be vote by mail everywhere because that's the right thing to do. And we need to get everybody on board for this. And that's the response. And we need to do it in a way that we'll settle our scores later, I think, regardless yeah, of who gets elected. You know, I
0: mean, uh, the, my my theory here is that the DNC wants to wrap the primary up as soon as possible. Of, 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 course, of course. And of and course. so they're willing to infect thousands of their own voters with coronavirus uh, just to make sure that Bernie, you know, because Biden has been dropping in the polls somewhat. And so yep, their fear right. is Bernie might mount a late stage comeback. And then I, it, for, okay. for good reason, I, I, for
2: good reason. May I say, you know, OK, I. I I really want to make sure that, you know, it's not that they deliberately want to infect. It's just that they're they're kind of stupid and they didn't. Th- they don't care. They don't. Th- no, they they're didn't, not stupid. They don't care. They didn't think through this. It's irresponsible. No, no, no. they they know people profan- will die because of this decision. They do not care. But it's no, no. profoundly irresponsible. This
1: is bullshit. No, no, that no. they do not care. They know people will die and they don't care. These are the Democrats. This is who they are.
0: Whether it's denial or it's just disbelief.
1: You don't think. You don't think the DNC knows that people will. die die because they told them to go vote today that's fucking upsetting me if you guys don't think that's true because they fucking know that people will die and they just don't care
0: and we have to say that i think they they know that's my belief but
1: of course they know are you fucking kidding me you don't think they know that people will die because they went to go vote today and got
2: infected why did they do it my
1: because they don't give a shit they don't give a fuck about people they don't care they care about their power
0: Yes. No. I. My point is a narrower point. Of course. My my point is a narrower point that that w- whether or not that's true, it doesn't make any difference to the end the end result. The end result is the DNC is a, as an institution is willing to do to take this step. And so you
1: think no one in the DNC it, w- it would require no one in the DNC to stand up and say, "Hey, guys, I think people will die if we do this. I think if we encourage them to vote in public." People might contract the virus and die. It would require those voices to not be to be made or to be ignored. So, yeah, they're on the hook. They're on the hook for those deaths. I'm Absolutely.
0: Sorry. I mean, they're the. It's it's either like basically murder or like negligent homicide. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and or manslaughter, whatever you want to call it. But at any rate, the the the. I think the what we should think about going forward is is this. This opportunity of ideological contestation, whether or not, Mm. you know, the this effort to force through the primary, uh, you know, and keep Bernie out succeeds or doesn't succeed, um, there's still tremendous opportunity to push the ball forward on stuff like Medicare for all, yeah, on stuff like, you know, basic, you know, permanent, it should be permanent sick leave, none of this temporary shit. You know, so I've seen that like the emergency yeah. democratic sick leave proposal is worse than <laughs> right. Sweden's That's that existed <laughs> before by a lot.
2: No, I mean, really, what we need, and it's it's demonstrated, and at this point, you know, what we really need urgently is a practical plan to have universal health care right now. We need that practical yeah. plan and we need to have it implemented. And, uh, Universal healthcare can take on many different shapes and forms, and some countries have, you know, private public. Some countries are full public. Some countries are single payer. Some countries are multiplayer. A multiplayer, sorry, multiplayer. I'm sorry, but we need a plan. <laughs> uh, but there's been a lot of gaming going on lately. Yeah, uh, especially, <laughs> we're all inside. Yeah, but like, there needs to be a plan for this, and no more. Uh, pussyfooting around Is it Medicare for all Is it not Is it bad Is it good Is it morally uh, Is it a moral hazard Is it this Is it that Like all that is gone We need Universal healthcare I don't care How you do it I I almost don't care um, Who does it I just want Universal healthcare Right now Now What the DNC Just did It's really upsetting I don't understand why would you do this and i I, I want to react to Alexi's uh uh um, emotional Rant. involvement in this yes. no, but like I'm Greek I'm very emotional uh, no but i i I think you know your point is taken uh and 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 i'm i'm kind of I'm kind of floored that any responsible politician and political operative would do this, and I don't understand. And now we need to get vote-by-mail everywhere. So how do we do it tactically? How do we make this happen? With you know, Because you're going to have to rally everybody in the party. And, and then you're going to have to rally people in the Republican Party to vote some kind of vote-by-mail for federal elections. So right yeah. now, we need some kind of united front to make this happen. Um, yeah, And then we set all our scores. But I, I really think... It's important to unite and gather around these, you know, these two priorities, vote by mail. It's a little thing, but it's very important because it's about public health and universal health care one way or the other. We don't want the Republican Party to enact universal health care. OK, <laughs> no, but like seriously, because yeah. because the way this is going um, Now they're like into giving checks to everybody and paid sick leave and, you know, 2.5 trillion stimulus. So, you know, in three days, they're going to be saying they're
1: they're going to like they're going to like measure your pigments. And then like if you're white enough, you get everything.
2: No, but like I'm serious, (laughs) like within three days, they're going to be about maybe we should have universal health care in some way or another. And then Democrats are going to be fighting about Medicare for all or single payer, multi payer, whatever. And they're going to be negotiating with themselves while The people in charge are going to say, look, that's a good idea to have universal health care. This is proof. Let's do it. Let's put the money behind it. If Trump does it, come on, guys, like what a failure, you know?
0: Yeah, the 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 worst outcome I could think in in terms of this discussion would be, uh, you know, Trump getting behind some kind of Medicare for all, call it Trump care, mm. Be- best care, best care folks. It's so good. <laughs> but, and then Pelosi starts attacking it. We're going to go yes. big with the care. No, but like,
2: you're just, you're joking, but this will, this might happen within a week. Like the impossible is possible now.
0: Yeah. And, and it's you true. could have Pelosi attacking it from the right saying, we can't afford it. We we need to make all carve outs and increase co-pays and stuff. And Trump saying, Look, I'm the I'm the guy who wants to give everyone health care, but the Democrats won't let us. The Democrats, they're so nasty. And and that I you know, that's the kind of thing because they have also failed to blame him correctly for this coronavirus. That could let him win. He could say, "Look, this is came completely out of left field. I had nothing to do with it, and yeah. I did the best I could." And and then look, now we got Trump Care. Trump Care is so good, so much better than Obamacare. <laughs> no, but so you, guys are,
2: you guys are joking, but like I, only I, a little bit. I, it's true. I don't think it's impossible at all that no. the Republicans are going to be like the only solution to this is actually to provide health care for very little to everybody and to subsidize it. Whichever way and through the normal conduits or through new conduits, and maybe they're going to look at the VA and they're going to be like, maybe that's the model for having public hospitals. So, you know, yeah. I mean, like after wrecking the VA, so I'm saying we need to unite and we need to actually scream really hard, and 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 then we'll settle our scores with people who sent people voting today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I got my. Well, uh, because th- <laughs> my no, I mean, I'm ready for I, that. <laughs> Uh-huh.
1: yeah no no no, but- no this is this is, this is the big difference with socialism or barbarism the difference yeah. is are we going to protect people from the shocks of not just viruses but the shocks of the failures of capitalist production to protect against the ways in which it's just a total fiction to say something is the economy or it's a total fiction to to talk about i mean People's lives are just disrupted, and and whether we address that disruption in an ethno-nationalist way, which is which is basically by saying, okay, we will protect you if you count as one of us, or we 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 protect each other because we're all equally human, domestically and internationally. Those are the two choices, and like one of them is going to take root and 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 dominate. There, right?
2: there, but there's no choice, in fact, because in the case of pan- yeah, yeah, yeah. in the case of pandemics you have to protect everybody so because otherwise everybody's at risk so there's no choice there's in fact no choice i mean th- the- there is a choice there's a devastatingly yes. wrong choice yes. if you try to do otherwise yeah yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. but i, I yeah these, these are interesting times and um, very unsettling and
1: but manu i want to end on a on a moment of hope it, because like you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a historic time where there's potentially a lot of, you know, there's a lot of death and a lot of danger, but, but we are rethinking everything now. And, and mm-hmm. wh- what is a vision besides public uh, universal health care? What, what is the kind of if we want to bend the limits of our imagination about what we could do to live differently together? What, what, what have you been thinking about in terms of uh, I'm, know, uh, that imagination?
2: I'm writing this thing right now. It's really hard. Because I'm trying to write a utopia in a moment. Of, I mean, we're like in a mo- dystopian movie right now. So dystopia, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it's uh,
1: so how do you think utopia in a dystopian time? Yeah,
2: yeah. And uh, I'm hoping that we will reduce the units of governance to cities, because cosmopolitan means you are from the cosmos, so nature and the universe. And you are a polité. You are a member of a police. so you are both local yes, and right. you are both global. Global, yeah. you, you, universal. You inhabit yeah. nature. So when they say citizen of the world, is it's a, it's not necessarily the best translation because there is a real tension between
1: yes, that's right, there is of a course. tension
2: between inhabiting nature and the world and and being the member of a polity, and of course, and the the. The lifelong process of reconciling the two and in practice being both at the same time is something very hard. And the kind of institutions that I'm imagining long in the future is a sort of the states uh, slowly disappear and we go back to something like the free cities of, you know, uh, northern Germany or northern Italy and the republics the small republics small polities with with you know um random drawing for because the the truly democratic
1: like a rousseau rousseau you know yes um, yes a a, a more truly governance by the people and it's in a scale where that's possible Uh, and keep in mind that like cosmopolite in greek right like yes the the polity of course is is the bounded city or state that you're yeah. in but cosmos in greek is not just the the physical nature no. it is everything right mm-hmm. like it is it is your entire universe which includes the ideas the culture the yes. norms you know all those things so there does in order this is the the contradiction in order for small localities to to be autonomous and and really the true level of of uh, governance you have to have almost a universal understanding of how we should relate to each other in every and, way. And, and, that, and that, that has to the, be, the, right?
2: The utopia is a theory of education.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what we're trying to do on this podcast, why we had you here, my friend. So thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you for contributing. I love you guys. Love you too, my friend. But be Sorry safe. Sorry for getting emotional. Yeah. No, I, w- no, no, I would no, no. hug you, it's, it's, I
2: would if, hug it, you if I could. But, you know, like it's, it's I understand, it's hard. Um
0: Yeah. I,
2: I, uh, I, I, I thank you guys for having me on and uh, tr- I, I hope everybody stays safe and um, for the sake of everybody else.
1: That's right. And do not burn uh, Nancy Pelosi in effigy. If you want, make a voodoo doll and give her a noogie. <laughs> I, a noogie.
0: Yeah, this is Greek voodoo. <laughs> oh, goodness.
1: <laughs> You'll feel better afterwards. Yeah. And then make a, make a Manu doll and give him a hug. That's what I'm going to do, because I want to give him a hug.
2: I want to give you guys a hug. Non-violence, love and compassion for everybody. Absolutely. And for mankind. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, my friend.
1: Uh, read Manu's book, Trekonomics, It's amazing. He's a brilliant man. He's writing another one right now, a, no- a novel. Uh, w- I can't wait to read it. It is. Aww. Yes, he's, he's also very humble, and we're making him embarrassed, which yes. is great.
0: It is frankly a great read at this point because it's all about you know the, the the future next time after all of the dark horrible shit yes. you know happens. So right. it's a great distraction from Crona's stuff.
1: Where where's the best place for them to buy it? What what's the because you might not like Jeff Bezos at the moment. Uh, so where,
2: where should I? I think, you think if you if you Google it, you will get also linked directly to the to the publisher perfect. publisher. Yes, yeah, so. And, you know the Perfect. ebooks and all that I don't know if they can <laughs> I mean I don't know if they have people right now because of coronavirus so you know right, right, right. E-books, ebooks
1: ebooks are good ebooks
2: ebooks. e-books. or
0: audiobook I listen to that and it was quite good yeah yeah he's great um,
2: the guy who did it is great thank you I am humbled by your uh by, by you welcoming me on this and uh keep the discussion going that's why we absolutely
1: thank you Manu. thanks for listening right, everybody we'll see